good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Another uh, edition of the Dave's I Know podcast, episode uh, 188. Um, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week, uh, so we'll we'll do the this, uh, the pleasantries very quickly. Uh, MJ, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Played the, in the Minnesota State Broomball tournament this weekend, and thus I'm I'm rather sore. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you haven't played a ton of broomball over the course of the last year, so now that you're playing in more tournaments and stuff. Yeah, I've been still doing about three three to four times a week, but nothing like I usually would be doing. Normally when you, you play seven times, seven days right, a right. week. You know, seven it's... to ten times in a week during <laughs> January and February. So, so yeah, I whatever. I, I'm i not getting any younger. Yeah, they uh, they announced that they're going to be doing uh, Ultimate Frisbee this year. Um, mat, like everybody masked up and stuff. So I'm trying to trying to decide if I, if I have another go of Ultimate Frisbee in me or if I just need to... Uh, hang it up and, and, uh, and not. So I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on a couple runs here maybe next week and sort of see, see what my, uh, my fitness level is like. So, um, Dan, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there. I, I, uh, my cardio fitness is shot to shit. So, uh, if that's you what I'm worried find, about. Yeah. If you can find like a, like a very low stakes ultimate league, I would definitely get in on that with you. Um, but in the meantime, enjoying, uh, enjoying March madness, with the entire country watching two young Minnesotans absolutely tear it up, uh, Paige Beckers and Jalen Suggs. So that's pretty cool. I was pretty cool. Li- usually like these are, you know, they're from Texas, they're from California, whatever. And no, the eyes of the nation are on two Minnesota basketball stars. Yeah, uh, I was just watching and doing the play by play for MJ of the uh, end of the UConn Baylor game. Um, we got started a little bit later uh, today, um, watched the end of that game. So um, UConn on pulled the it women- off. On the women's tournament, yeah, yeah, the women's side. So I that that's I was telling MJ that is the most college basketball. That's all the college basketball I watched all year was that last twenty minutes, twenty seconds of the UConn Baylor game. So, and it probably will be the only amount of college basketball I watch. Although it is kind of fun. I know a lot of people who are super into it. And Minnesota is uh, weirdly become I don't know if it weirdly, but they've become a hotbed of good college uh, uh, basketball talent. So, which is nice. Yeah, number one recruit in the country for next year is Chet Holmgren coming out of Minnehaha Academy. My alma mater, what up? When I went there, basketball, like our, our girls team was really good. Um, but we were we were more like a math team school. <laughs> doesn't doesn't uh, Master P's kid go there? Uh, he does, Hersey Miller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyways. Um, were, that's... were you a mathlete, Dan? No. Um, I, I am actually shockingly bad at math, uh, for someone who did it professionally for a hot minute. Uh, no, I was, I was a very, very good debater. This will shock you. Uh, I was in all of the choirs and I, I am a huge theater dork. So not surprising at all. I used to beat up the theater kids, uh, at central. 
Um, anyways, I kid, I kid. We we've been sp- spending far too long talking about non soccer stuff because um, we do have a full a full schedule of things, including a, an actual schedule. Wait, are we a soccer podcast? We are nominally a soccer podcast. Okay, we occasionally cool. talk baseball. Um, apparently, we are we talk college basketball too now. So. Um, anyways, you said we uh, weren't going to talk basketball on this pod. I did, I did, I lied. Anyways, uh, patreon.com slash the days of no. Maybe we'll do a uh, a basketball podcast on the Patreon for all the Patreon folks. Um, that should be hilarious and totally informed. Uh, anyways, uh, get on it. Uh, it starts at three bucks a month. Uh, you can join where we, uh, Christian and I are working on figuring out when we're going to do the release. Now that we actually have a schedule, we can actually talk about uh, doing a, a pickup for the beer for all of our Patreons. Um, so you'll be seeing something, an email from me if you are a, a Patreon member uh, here probably in the next couple of weeks, uh, maybe with some options, maybe just saying when we're going to do it and having a, we'll have some drop-off situation thereafter. So patreon.com slash the Daves and O uh, to help support the Daves that you know. All right, let's get into it, guys. We have a schedule of course, again, dropped on a Wednesday, so two days after the podcast is recorded, as as they are want to do. But it's great. Um, a couple of uh, key points from there, then we can actually talk a little bit about the actual schedule itself. So uh, the teams are selling a four-game package uh, to the first – so basically the first four games. You'll be able to buy uh, pods of tickets in either two, four, or six uh, per account. So if you have one ticket on your account, you could still buy up to six tickets per account. Um, they do need to be used by household or family, you know, household or, or whatever you're considered your household. Um, and then uh, that's going to go on sale starting on April 6th uh, with the Itasca Society members first and then the general season ticket holders. Um, and then any single game of tickets that are available or any single game pods available after that uh, will go on sale sometime, I think, the week after. Um we already know that the season opener is on the 16th against Seattle uh, out in Seattle. It's a Friday night and the home opener is on the 24th against RSL. Those were announced a couple of weeks ago. Um, a couple of things, the longest homestand we'll have is going to be uh, three games right before the state fair um, in August, the fourth, the seventh and the 14th against Colorado, Houston and LA galaxy respectively. Um, the longest road trip is going to be three games. They do that twice actually right after right during the state fair. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, so the 28th uh, of August, 9-11, uh, never forget, and 9-15 uh, against Houston, Seattle. And then that last game is against Sporting Kansas City. And then they have a – they come home for a week, and then they go right back on the road for three games uh, on the 29th, uh, October 2nd, and October 16th uh, against D.C. United, FC Dallas, and then Austin FC. So – uh, before we jump into some, oh, then I should say, actually, we have five matches on national TV. Uh, the season openers on FS1 against Seattle. They're on, they play on the 18th, uh, at home against Seattle on ESPN. Uh, the 14th of August, they play LA galaxy at home on big Fox. And then the last, uh, national TV match is on, uh, are on eight, the August 21st and uh, October 31st sporting Kansas city matches at home, both on ESPN. So they play. Five national TV games, four of them are at home at Allianz, which is uh, pretty, pretty cool. And then possibly the the uh, decision day match too, depending on where they are in the table. So, and one other note of that is that no word yet on the local television partner um, in that announcement of the schedule, which is kind of strange. Um, the They are still the FSN slash Sinclair slash Bally Sports North or whatever the fuck it's going to be called. I think. <laughs> 
I think it's officially Valley Sports North on Thursday, on Wednesday, actually, I think is when they officially rebrand. Um, I believe their deal with them is still through next is through this year. So, um, you know, theoretically that is where they're going to be. Um, I'm su- it's not surprising. The team is trying to downplay that as long as they possibly can. So, um, yeah, do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on, on the schedule generally? And then, um, basically, you know, I come here. So what games are you most looking forward to, um, either here, um, or to watch or potentially, uh, to travel to. It's an interesting schedule. It's, it's, it's unbalanced, which is a really, it's going to be an issue at the end of the season as we sort of compare, you know, where various teams are in the playoffs are in the playoff chase. And, and was that fair or not? Um, so Minnesota United, for example, plays Austin three times, which I like a lot. They play the Sounders three times, which I like a lot less. Uh, and they play, I think Sporting Kansas City is the other one that they play three times. Um, so yes. it, in a traditional year, assuming both Seattle and, and Sporting are good, that's tough. Having those extra games against those teams as opposed to Houston or Vancouver or uh, San Jose. Yeah, um, that's. It's they, play Colorado, they play Colorado three times as well. They play twice in Colorado and once at home. There's a couple teams, actually, I think they play three times. Um, it is an unbalanced schedule. You're right. Um, 11, I think it's like because there's it's unbalanced across the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Right. Um, there's like 11 teams in the West play three, play two Eastern Conference teams, one at home, one away, while the other like another two teams or something play uh, three Eastern conference teams. And it's, they had they you know, it's, it's for, so for everybody else, like Western conference teams are mostly playing Western conference teams. Eastern conference teams are mostly playing Eastern conference teams. And the, the teams you're playing three times are in your um, regional pod, basically. Like, so they, that's kind of how they broke it down is that these are like regions. So Austin, Colorado, Sporting Kansas City, Austin are all kind of in a region. The Seattle doesn't make much sense with that, but you're tied that. I yeah, your point your point still stands in. The uh, and they put oh sorry, they put the LA Galaxy three times as well, twice at home and once on the road. So it's it's right. weird. Yeah. And and the weird thing, and and this is somewhat endemic to MLS in general, but like you look at it and you would say, okay, Galaxy were horrid last year. We have no idea how good Austin is going to be. In all likelihood, they're probably not going to be great. Seattle and KC are going to both be really good. So this is, you know, maybe Minnesota kind of got screwed on that. But it's it's so hard to know. It, you would not have to sell me all that hard on Austin is terrible. Minnesota takes all three of those. Seattle ends up being not quite as good as they have been in the past. Minnesota wins that series or takes the more points out of the two, but LA comes back around and they're really good again. And sporting is also really good. So it's, yeah, the, the unbalance is annoying. The, the stretch that has me pretty nervous. I, nervous is maybe the wrong uh, statement because it's in the middle of the season, but I think Colorado will be pretty good this year. So uh in July, Minnesota has a run of Colorado, Seattle, Portland, LAFC. And uh, that's if they can come out of that with a couple of wins, I think they'll be in great shape. But if they're if they are bad going in, you know, injuries or whatnot, that's going to be quite the, the uh, crucible for them to figure out kind of what type of a team they are. And yeah. it's in the middle of euros. 
So middle middle Euros, um, which yeah, will definitely affect Minnesota. Um, obviously, we won't have to worry about uh, the Olympics, which we'll we'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, so okay, that's 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 yours, MG. Do you have any uh, particular um, matches or stretches that you're you're interested in? Well, uh, the MGA non take is that there are rumors of why we're not playing Chicago for the first time in our team's MLS existence. Typically that's a nice road trip for either fan base to take and to sell some away tickets, nice bus ride. And I think the league is just scared of us doing another deal, whether that's for Calvo or Bobby Shuttleworth or Wyatt Olmsberg. They just, they don't want to see any under the table shenanigans between Chicago Fire and Minnesota United. So we just won't have them play each other. It is a little bit strange that our two uh, Eastern Conference opponents are uh, DC United and uh, the Philadelphia Philadelphia Union. And not like close places like Columbus, Cincinnati. Or, or, Chicago. or Chicago. Yeah, I mean, Columbus would have made sense with the with Molino. Chicago obviously makes sense because you can hop on a train. They're also both the DC United away and Philadelphia Union home are both midweek games on Wednesdays. Um later in the year so it's just it's it is i don't and i don't envy the the uh schedule makers uh especially with all the um you know with all the covid precautions and things i think they're still doing charter flights i think they're still flying uh day of for matches so uh that's you know part of the reason why they're trying to stay the east west um conferences but uh, but for me for me like why not why not just get fucking weird this year and do a East West in the central and, and like try and keep, you know, um, teams in the central and, and teams in the West and teams in the East. I know that's, you know, that's way too crazy for MLS, but that's maybe more of an MJ and on take um, on it. So <laughs> I don't want to go down that. Don't, don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You remember major league baseball at one point you had, you had three division champions and a wild card or something like that. So, you know, yeah, I, uh, so I'm, I, you know, I'm very excited about the LA galaxy game at the end of the year. I think, that could be one that I could possibly make it to. Uh, my, our, uh, our Anna's sister lives out there, so it'd be a great chance to go visit her. Um, and you know, it's far enough away that theoretically, more like most people will be vaccinated. You know, flying on a plane won't be crazy, so that might be a fun potential uh, away trip. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think Dan, your point about that sort of that stretch in um, July is kind of a kind of sucks however it is bookended by the san jose earthquakes uh on saturday the third and then at vancouver whitecaps on the 31st of july who i think are both going to be not great this year so um what makes you say that david one two three four so yeah we have six games in july and there's a possibility we could you know even if we just get one win in that in that stretch of four we could still walk out of there with nine to you know 11 points you know if we get a draw or two so not unrealistic so yeah any other final thoughts on the on the very brief thoughts on the schedule? Well, um, I think what the our auction winner from the Dark Clouds auction, K, uh, KJ, uh, he's been a longtime Dark Cloud, um, Minnesota United, Thunder Stars supporter. He definitely he's a he loves to travel, so I think we want to we'll have a we'll bring him on sometime soon um, as he won the auction and have a sort of like maybe talk a little bit about because he's been to a lot of these places, a lot of these stadiums, either supporting Minnesota United or just traveling for. Uh, USA, uh, US men's national team or US women's national team matches. So you can maybe tell us a little bit about some of these different stadiums and stuff and um, maybe get people amped up to think about traveling as it looks like 
that might be a real possibility um, at some point this summer. So any other final thoughts? That uh, the game against Austin on October 16th is the one I've got earmarked for a potential travel. Uh, nice. Yeah. Check out the new stadium. I've got some friends down in Austin can visit big gorge myself on some barbecue and yeah. But man, I mean, how great is it even just to be talking about being back in Allianz and being able to travel and like, it was, it was a long, weird year and I'm really glad to be on this side of it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then uh, for those of you who aren't, who don't get tickets for whatever reason, or don't want to go to games, um, it's not, I mean, it certainly sounds like, so they, they have the first four games as a package. Um, it certainly sounds like they are based on the things that I've read that they're probably going to be doing a second four game package. I'm not sure if that's going to, they're going to sort of preference people who did not get that first four game package, but that second four game package would start in at the end of June with FC Austin, uh, San Jose earthquakes, the Sounders and the Timbers go through, um, uh, you know, the, basically the end of July. Um, so there's very, very possible that they'll probably be doing a second four game package before they would even uh, consider getting anywhere close to uh, full capacity. I, th- I think, I know we've talked a lot about it. I think they maybe get to full capacity, you know, late September, early October. I can't imagine it would be before then. So, and I guess keep an eye out for, tickets for for people i mean i'm hoping to buy a package of two tickets for those first four games but it's very real possibility my kid might be coming sometime around the first of may so i may need to be offloading some tickets so um (laughs) yeah but i'll you know if you let me know and i'll put you on my list of people to contact if i need to uh offload offload a a couple tickets uh to uh to one of those first four matches if i get assuming i get them obviously so and and they can pay you in zeller bucks otherwise known as patreon subscription that or straight cash homie <laughs> um i don't fuck around with that uh, patreon when it comes to uh my season tickets so all right let's move on uh we talked about this guy last week ramon wachope abia abia abila abila ramon wachope abila we uh messed it up obviously very massively last week um we did not Thanks hear to Josh for telling us that and giving us yes. the correct pronunciation exactly. instead of just calling us dumbasses, which actually would have been totally fair. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I, I think I pointed out that we probably screwed it up, and then Josh conveniently uh, gave us that uh, tweeted at us that video of someone pronouncing it correctly. So it was fantastic. So thank you, Josh. This is my fault for not being confident in my two years of Spanish. <laughs> I well, I mean, I, I said Juan Chope correctly, and then Dan convinced me I was wrong. Well. I mean, it, does, it doesn't have the... Yeah, anyways, no, we don't have to uh, dwell it's on, on it. It's on me. It's on me. Thank you, Josh. So we did. We don't have any official confirmation, um, but basically, from all intents and purposes, it sounds like it's a done deal. Uh, there was a uh, video tweeted out this afternoon, as a matter of fact, that he is on a plane coming to the United States, um, presumably to Flor- straight to Florida, I would, I would imagine. Um, probably will need to quarantine or and get COVID tested and all that stuff, but... It's uh, I'm guessing it'll probably get announced tomorrow as you know, these things I want to do, but I did put that disclaimer um, ahead of our podcast last week that we were the ones who, uh, who put it on a podcast first. So uh, we're just going to say there anything else about uh, Wachope that we want to talk about. Cool. I hope he's healthy. Yes. <laughs> That's the big thing. That's the only other thing I need to say. Yeah, it is. There's a, just reading a little bit of the, of the uh, Boca juniors uh, Twitter it is people are kind of upset that he's leaving and which I guess is, you know, probably a good sign for Minnesota um, that he's been, he's highly valued in uh, at, uh, at Boca. So. Yeah. Boca clearly like 
the, there is a, a faction of fans that are uh, pretty ardently against their current coach because apparently their current coach uh, has the same doghouse tendencies that Adrian Heath does. So I cool. certainly, certainly sympathize with them on that. And, and for a lot of people, and we saw this with Reynoso too, a little bit, they, they felt like he kind of got frozen out. And once he was frozen out, there was no, no way back into the squad. Uh, one thing we did find out in the intervening week, uh, well, two things. One, uh, one Chope's contract was extended by an additional six months, which sort of validates that, yeah, this deal is actually happening because there's really no reason to do that other than to get on the MLS schedule. Uh, right. And two, the purchase obligation that we mused about last week uh, is allegedly about four and a half million, which is... Um, sizable i mean uh a lot of money for a 31 year old a lot of money for a 31 year old so boca at least seems to think it's realistic that he could hit the games played barrier which tells me he probably is healthy um i'll be really interested to see if we see what the details are of that but uh yeah i actually don't hate this i think four and a half million if he is healthy and productive i think four and a half million could look like a bargain yeah, that is uh that's a big, big if. So we do have to go to Seattle a couple times and you know, playing on the turf probably is not gonna be super great for whatever whatever ails him. So all right. Uh speaking of Florida, uh Loons were down in Florida last week, um, late last week. They kicked off their preseason with a game against the Charleston Battery, uh, with a nine to nothing victory for for Los Loons, um, which is great because I remember some of the um I've been, I've told, I've, I don't think I actually went and saw Thunder when they played the Charleston, Charleston battery, but Thunder and Charleston battery used to, to used to do battle quite a bit back in the, back in the old days. Um, nine, nothing win for the loons. The starting 11, uh, just out of curiosity, or, you know, for curiosity for everybody was uh, Tyler Miller and goal. Um, obviously uh, Dane is with the Canadian national team, uh, chase Michael Boxel and Coleman, and then DJ Taylor uh, is right back. Obviously Metnir is with the Madagascar Madagascar national team. Jacory Hayes will trap uh, Nico Hansen in the midfield uh, with Reynoso and then uh, Ethan Finlay and Juan Agadello. So I presume that's a four, two, three, one um, yeah. with uh, Jacory Hayes and will trap as the two. And then obviously Nico Reynoso and Ethan Finlay or sorry. Um, Hayes in will trap. Regush is with Slovakia. Yep. 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 So, um, <clears throat> you know, that's a, you know, Minus the play, and then obviously we have you know Lude out with so there's lots of lots of players out so you know whatever. Um, the goal scores were Nico Hansen scored two, Agadello got one, Finley got two, and then uh, Patrick Wea, Justin McMaster, Ozzy Alonso got a PK, and then Foster Langsdorf scored the ninth goal. Um, any thoughts very briefly on a nine nothing defeat of a USL team? <laughs> I mean, it's certainly better than the opposite, but uh, I'm curious. Like as as the goal started racking up. I kind of find myself wondering if it sort of cheapens it. Like if the Loons had won, let's say like three or four, nothing, I think I might've legitimately felt better about it than with them winning nine, nothing. I don't know if you guys feel that way at all. No. I mean, it's nice to see players like McMaster and, and Wea scoring goals, like especially against USL, you know, uh, players, you know, granted no one's in the best shape of their lives right now. And, um, you know, team cohesion is not where it was. And, I don't even know who was playing for the Charleston battery. So it might've been just a bunch of college kids that they, you know, um, 
have him in the in the lineup for some reason. So, but you know, anytime you can score goals is good, man. I does not cheapen it for me. I understand your point, Dan, about that if it was four or five nothing MLS team versus the USL team, it could seem a little bit more legitimate. And instead it looks like, well, man, who did they who did the battery have out there playing for them? But I also feel like you should do what you should do against a team like that in preseason. You you have your goals set for preseason. One of your goals for preseason is not necessarily run up the scoreboard on, on a lower league team. It's like, let's get chemistry. Let's get people in these positions. Let's control the flow of play through these playmakers and pass in these directions. And if that's successful, you will score goals. So I'm happy, again, as you said, it's not the other way around. We didn't lose 3 nothing or lose 9 nothing. Um, but I, I do think that this win doesn't say a whole lot given the level of competition we were going against. And if you saw the Instagram video of Nico Hansen, like just going to his right foot and pulling to a center back and a uh, defensive midfielder so far to the right that he could cut, cut back um, to the middle and score with his left foot with ease. Um, and they were just falling at his feet as if he was a, uh, a monarch, you know? And so when you see things like that, you're just like, were they playing broom ball? Were they on ice? Um, and these people were over pursuing or were they just really bad disciplined defenders? So. And I suppose, I mean, we're about to go into three, sorry. No, <laughs> I, sorry. Three, three MLS, uh, MLS games uh, starting on Wednesday. They play the Columbus crew uh, April 3rd, which theoretically they should have their, um, the international players back against FC Cincinnati. And then the last match of the season or of the preseason is against Orlando city. Uh, on the ninth, so yeah, I think we're for sure going to get a better look at the team, those three matches, than we that we did against Charleston. And at least theoretically, we should have one Jope in place for the last two. Uh, hope, hopefully, the last two, but for sure the last one. Yeah. Um, Adrian Heath Derby. <laughs> yeah, exactly for the Heath Derby. Um, yeah, I won't. Uh, I won't miss playing Orlando City this year. They look yeah. like they're going to be pretty dang good. So. Um, that'll be an interesting game. Honestly, I'm, I'm bummed. That's probably the biggest one I'm bummed. Isn't getting streamed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's speaking of those loons abroad. Um, let's talk very quickly about uh, there's nothing super great. Um, but we'll talk through what happened. Uh, so Romain Meniers is obviously, uh, uh, Madagascar national team, uh, started at right back, uh, against Ethiopia last week. Um, I'm not sure if he went the full 90, they, they don't have really great, lineup uh graphics and stats and stuff for the afcon uh qualifiers and they play niger uh tomorrow uh today if you're probably listening to this uh at eight o'clock in the morning so by the time you listen to this podcast i'm guessing the game will be over uh yuka Raitala and uh uh robin lud uh both played in their two their their first two matches uh bosnian herzegovina last week it was a 2-2 draw uh lud played 77 minutes and Raitala played uh the full 90 uh, again, they played this weekend, Ukraine against Ukraine. It was a one-one draw uh, with Robin Lude playing uh, the full ninety and Raitala going seventy-six minutes. Um, I don't know if you guys did. You guys watch any of the of the Finland Ukraine game uh, this weekend on Saturday? Yeah, it was bananas. It was it was crazy. Robin Lude uh, taking corners for Finland uh, in this in this match. Um, apparently, uh, 
I don't know, I can't remember who was who was it? someone was telling me, but the uh Finnit the Finnish so the Finnish uh, national team fans fucking hate Rasmus Schuler and really do not want to see Rasmus Schuler playing for the Finnish national team. He got a start Rasmus, though. Yeah, he got started and he came on in the uh he came on and immediately got a yellow card in the uh match against the Ukraine. But uh yeah, that Ukraine that Ukraine game was was pretty bonkers for a for a one one draw. On the flip side, if you follow Twitter and can read Finnish, which I can't. My understanding is is they do like Robin Lutz quite a bit. They do, I think. Uh, I, I do think that is true. He certainly pl- has played well for Finland the last two or three times, not individual games, but windows. Uh, yeah. but he's gone out there to play. He, they, the really interesting thing about the way he plays is he and Timu Puki seem to have a really good understanding of where each other are because yeah. he just drifts. He drifts all over the pitch. Like they ostensibly start him on the right, but he'll pick up the ball on the left. He'll cut central. He'll be he'll be a central runner just behind Puki, almost as a second striker. Like those two work super well together. And if it weren't prohibitively expensive, and Timu Puki would be prohibitively expensive, I would love to see that <laughs> happen in MLS. Timu Puki in, with in Minnesota would be fucking fantastic. Oh, that'd be bonkers. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Adam Jarvie would lose his shit. So, <laughs> uh, so Finland plays on Wednesday, uh, the thirty first against Switzerland. Um, uh, so yeah, so that'd be an interesting, interesting matchup as well. Uh, Gregush uh, plays obviously for Slovakia uh, again. So it was really not, it's been not a great uh, international break for the Loons. They had a zero zero draw with Cyprus last week. Um, Gregush got a, a cameo for about thirty minutes in that game, and then uh, a draw with Malta. These are all World Cup uh, qualifiers, by the way. Uh, he played the full 90 in that game, but a 2-2 draw with Malta and a 0-0 draw with Cyprus is not a good start for Slovakia. They play Russia tomorrow uh, afternoon. So if you listen to this uh, in the morning, you might be able to catch the catch the match. And I guess as Gregus probably um, gets a start as well. He, uh, I think they probably brought him on halfway or you know at the very end just because he's also out of season. Um but uh, yeah, it would, would not surprise me if he gets a start against Slovakia or against Russia uh, tomorrow. For those that don't know about the overachieving island nations and small principalities of UEFA, drawing against Cyprus and Malta is not a good, not good result. Not a good. Luck. They had to fight back to even get the draw against Malta. They were two yeah. 0 down inside thirty minutes. Yeah, it was uh, not a not a great not a great start for Slovakia. I this was a weird. Look at the, the Maltese uh, or the, the the Malta national team, and just to see how many of them play in Serie A in Italy or or not. But I'm guessing um, some of them, you know, play in like second or third division, you know, Spain or England for all I know. Yeah. This has been a weird window. I mean, Luxembourg beat Ireland. Yes. It's just been a bunch of weird results. Weird Everyone's result. got the shit kicked out of them by Turkey. Turkey's good. Uh, I think. Kicked, I think we've been sleeping the shit on out Turkey. of Norway. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, they then kicked the shit out of uh, Norway. So the um, I just want the the uh, the Slovakian group for. Hold on, I wanted to. Damn it, I had it pulled up. They, it's it's uh, yeah. Here, give me a second, guys. It's it's a it's it's a, an absolutely amazing World Cup qualifying group. It's it's rough. It's it's Russia, Slovenia, Croatia, Slovakia, Cyprus, Malta. So Russia, Slovenia, Croatia, Slovakia all basically have the same flag, more or less. <laughs> they're, 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 they're all pan slob colors for yep. those who aren't 
Yep. Uh, and then you have Cyprus and, and Malta. And so it's just, it's uh it's a, it's a, it's a really tough, really tough group for, for qualifying. So, uh, all right. And then finally, uh, Dane St. Clair uh, playing with Canada. He did not play any of the games. They beat Bermuda last week, five to one. And then they kicked the shit out of the Cayman Islands today, 11 to nothing. I'm not surprised he didn't get a, at least a start in the Cayman Islands game or yeah, I, come on in the second half when they were, I think they were up like six to nothing in, in at halftime or something. So I thought for sure he'd get minutes in, in the Cayman Islands game. Yeah. They, they uh, beat he the was, shit out of the Cayman he, Islands. you know, on the bench for both yeah. teams as the backup. Keeper. Yeah. So he's just, they, that was just over in Bradenton. So he'll be back in camp. I'm assuming probably tonight. Right. Honestly. So, uh, and then the other two loons, Dotson, Hassan Dotson and, and Callum Montgomery, uh, both played in the semifinals of the U twenty three tournament and were both knocked out, so no need to discuss that any further. All right, um, before we take a break, let's let's talk very quickly about some MLS news. Uh, they announced the League's Cup, um, which is that uh, competition with Mexico and the Liga MX team. Normally, it's supposed to be eight teams. They cut it down to four teams this year, so it's Sporting Kansas City, Orlando City, New York City FC, and then the Seattle Sounders which means Minnesota, Toronto, the Red Bulls, and Colorado were kicked out of the potentially playing in that. Um, my guess is they just want to limit the amount of games that are played and travel and all that. Um, are you guys losing any, shit. any sleeper crying over not being in the League's Cup? I'm not losing any sleep over it, but it's just like, it's just bullshit. This is, it's more MLS just like picking their favorite teams. Like, oh... I, I, we got to make sure Atlanta gets all of the, like, come on, man. Like they shit the bed last year. Don't reward them for that. No one should ever be rewarded for hiring Frank DeBoer. Yeah. Well, exactly. Atlanta's not in this competition, but no, but they're in the Kafka calf champions league. Right. Yeah. So they, they couldn't be in this competition because they were yes. already fast tracked yeah. into the champions league for no good reason. I, I these don't are, like, I don't are, like that. They didn't list any sort of reasoning or logic why these teams were, were chosen. They, the, the logic and the reasoning is that these were the four best teams that were not in CONCACAF Champions League based on record. But we went to the conference finals. But yeah, they MLS put a weird amount of weight. But Sporting, on... but sporting uh, and Seattle were both ahead of us in the standings. And Orlando and New York City were both ahead of us in the standings in, in terms of points. So okay. it's it's weird. It, it's, so they did, they did, they did give they some didn't reason. Ex- they didn't actually announce it, but that is like, that is like, I mean, they, that I think it's probably just conveniently helps that, you know, Minnesota, I mean, yes, it should have theoretically should have been whoever made it the first in the finals in the, in the playoffs, but they, they decided to go retroactively back and use the league standings. So I don't know. Don't try and think too hard about what MOS is trying to do. Otherwise your brain is well, going to break. The, the, the MTN on Slack is going to try to think too hard about it. I'm sure it will. Uh, and then just actually literally just before we announced the or the podcast started recording, uh, the officially announced the U.S. Open Cup qualification process. Um, so it's previously rumored it's going to be the top eight MLS teams, uh, uh, domestic United States MLS teams after the first three matches. Um, they are not doing the very first round, which included more of the uh, open part of the bracket. So the NISAs, the NPSLs, um, all that they do. Um, Detroit City is going to be part of it. The four USL semifinalists from last year in the championship, the League One uh, Greenville, the League One regular season champion, is guaranteed a spot into the tournament, assuming the tournament gets played. And then there's going to be a draw from like 
25 or no, like 32 different teams um, for the last four spots or the last two spots of that sort of other eight, the set of other eight teams. Um, so the top eight teams that are after the first three matches, uh, they're not doing, so like I said, yeah, they're not doing that first round to first round. So it's down to 16 teams. Um, MLS teams will be drawn against a lower division team in the round of 16. So, you know, they can guarantee all the MLS teams or try to guarantee all the MLS teams survive to the, to the round of, uh, the quarterfinal round. Um, you know, we previously had said that that was probably what's going to happen, that they're going to just take the top three, eight teams after three matches. Just, we got official notification about it. So, I uh, don't really want to spend too much time unless you guys have any specific, um, thoughts on U S soccer federation being fucking wankers. Uh, not so much on that piece of it, but so Minnesota's first three games are at Seattle hosting RSL and hosting Austin. Just anything, good. anything less than six points is, is uh, and not an embarrassment, but a disappointment to me. I think you can, I like, you could sell me on Minnesota being one of these eight teams. Six points should get you into six points should get you into the, um, into the, into the tournament. I would think I, I would admit, I don't know if it'd be really, really hard to for six points, not get you into the tournament. So um, yeah, lots to play for in those first three matches. That's for sure. I'm happy they're basing it on something of merit that actually happens on the pitch. Yeah. One other thing is they're not, they haven't said when they're doing the draws for it, but what they're doing is they're going to be, they're going to group the teams into four and in groups of four, like regional for like the round of 16 quarterfinal, um, round of 16 and quarterfinals. Um, so they've announced when they're going to do it. So there are like, theoretically, you know, Minnesota could get drawn with Detroit. Minneapolis city is sitting out there as a team that is technically qualified. They will be in one of, they will be in that sort of draw for one of the two open spots. So there is a there is a non-zero possibility that it could be a Minneapolis City, Minnesota United FC uh, Open Cup match. Like this is much more likely than any other time in the past because like they literally are just going to get drawn in there. They don't have to play four games to get to the potentially playing Minnesota United, right? They're just going to jump right into the round of 16 in the tournament. So if you get be amazing. You know, if, it, if it's if it's Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit. So say say Chicago starts off really well. It's Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, uh, and then you know Minneapolis City randomly gets drawn in there. That would be pretty fucking fun. So because that's going to be two MOS teams and then two of the uh, um, you know non MOS teams. So there is not there's a non-zero possibility. So um, Minneapolis City fans, you can dream. We can dream that we will get to go to Allianz and maybe beat. Uh, you know, Adrian Heath's uh, backup team. So um, <laughs> anyways, so any other, any final thoughts on that or we can, we'll jump in and we'll take a break. All right. Seeing none. Uh, let's take a break. When we'll be back, we're going to talk some USA soccer, which is both parts good and lots of parts of terrible. So we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude and I, won't you be who you like me to but we both know i can't do nothing at all all right and we're back uh we're gonna talk some u.s men's soccer would you you guys want to start with the good or the bad let's start with the good good. let's start with good let's start with good 
uh, because then um, I'm sure both MJ and I have lots of things to say about the bad. The senior team played a couple of matches. Uh, they beat Jamaica four one on Thursday. Um, yeah, you know it was it was a it was a a, a charitably a B side Jamaican team. They obviously had a few players that weren't able to make it. Um, their new uh, newest Jamaican international, Mikel Antonio, did not play. Um, and they, you know, giving up a goal, especially the goal they gave up was not great, but it was not a terrible Jamaica goal. Uh, but the game was firmly in hand at that point. And then uh, they beat Northern Ireland. Now, granted, a a very much weakened Northern Ireland team. They were Northern Ireland on Sunday, this yesterday, uh, two to one. Um, they had a Northern Ireland obviously played in a World Cup qualifier last week, I think on Wednesday, and they were playing another one this Wednesday. So they were just filling a, a gap in their schedule, basically. So doing the U.S. a favor. So they were not playing a full strength team. However, um, one, I think, good takeaway from that is that Greg Berhalter busted out a 3-4-3 for that match. And outside of it looking a little wobbly at, at certain points, um, I think it looked generally really good. And if it's not going to be the U.S.'s main formation. Um, obviously, the 4-3-3 is going to be their main formation. But it's really good that they are they're committed and he's because Berhalter has actually talked about a three, four, three in the past as being sort of like a, a secondary option, a plan B, if you will. Um, they need to practice it. They need to do it against international teams, whether it's a, a, a Northern Island, you know, B minus C plus team. You got to try it. You got to You guys, guys, the guys got to get cohesive with it and they got to know what they need to do. There's some of that was evident, evident. Um, Kellen Acosta did not have a um, super great game uh, and sprayed some passes that, he clearly thought players are going to be places that they weren't. Um, so you need, but you need to have that sort of experience. You need to do it. You need to play it because you want, if you want to bust it out in the middle of a world cup qualifying cycle <clears throat> against say a Honduras or something to give them a different look or a Costa Rica or in a world cup against, you know um, you know, a, a bigger team, um, a Ghana or something, if you will, where you want to give them something that they weren't really planning for. You need to be able to practice. You need to have practice it. You need to be able to play it regularly. So I think those are the two, um, I think, big takeaways uh, from these games. It was, you know, two two wins. They haven't won. They hadn't won the U.S. men's national team hadn't won in Europe, and I don't even remember what the, the stat was on the broadcast. It's I think it's a long a time. 2016? Yeah. Um, I think Jurgen Klinsmann was the last. I think he beat Germany in Germany, but it was like a German C team or something. If I remember correctly, it's been yeah. a long time since they, since they won in Europe. So winning is good. Um, playing a different formation is good. Getting, getting guys like Yunus Musa um, playing, you know, with the team, um, bringing in some, some younger guys who were not really probably on any of our radars, um, you know, to get, a, to get some minutes and to, to not even, if they didn't get minutes just to train with the U S national team is good. So I think, in terms of, I think I would consider this a successful international break for the, for the men's uh, senior team. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The Northern Ireland game was marred by an opposition that to your point was kind of not great. Pitch wasn't in great shape. I think it was also raining. So everything just felt like a little bit muted. Um, one of the, the big takeaways I had from that game was the U S is now in a position where if nobody really steps up and has an amazing game, the team level is high enough that they can still win those games. And that's a nice development. I mean, for, for even good us teams, it was like, okay, we need Josie to do something. We need Clint Dempsey to do something. We need, if Landon Donovan doesn't have a good game, we're not winning this game. And it doesn't feel quite that way anymore. It really feels like this is a cohesive team that can control a midfield, 
Um, and to your point, that's what I really want the 4-3-3 for, is actually in CONCACAF qualifying against a team like TNT, against a team like Honduras, who really wants to chew up that, that midfield space. Don't let them. Like, lock that down a little bit more. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the other takeaway I had from, uh, from the Northern Ireland game is if instead of getting one point per goal, you got like a modified amount based on how good the goal was, I think we would have lost that game. Because the only thing worse than Christian Pulisic's like straight down the middle penalty was the Northern Irish keeper not being able to get down for it. And the Northern <laughs> yes. Ireland goal was a fucking banger. That's fair. Beautiful fair points i did not watch the northern island game i watched the jamaican game our starting lineup for that game was stefan in goal reggie cannon and dest at the fullbacks brooks and long at the center backs acosta leggett and you know musa in the center midfield and attacking with Gio Reyna, sergeant and Polisic. what is the average age of that starting 11 uh, yeah. It's under it's under 23. It's got to be like 21 and a half. That, yeah, that sounds about right. It's a uh, 23.2. Oh, okay. So, uh, okay. so uh, let uh and Brooks and Aaron Long are all 28. So yeah, it was, it was, it, this was a really young, <clears throat> a really young uh, senior team. I think they said, uh, <clears throat> I believe it was something like of the, like 17 players that that participated in the game against Northern Ireland, 10 of them would have been eligible for the U.S. Olympic uh, team, the U23 yeah. team. So it's it's that so that's like that's a good sign. So maybe what, that's a good transition to the U23 um, tournament. Due to injuries and other reasons, Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney were not available. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. So, so like, like even younger. Yeah, um, that's a good transition. Again, uh, that MJ screwed up by talking. Um, <laughs> uh, so U 23s so they lost to Mexico, uh, on Wednesday, uh, one, nothing, just a terrible, terrible defensive lapse overall, I think played fairly. Okay. Um, definitely not good enough to win, especially not in attack defensively. They played pretty good except for one, um, one gigantic error that, uh, Mexico capitalized on, uh, but it, that game didn't matter. That was a, that was a dead rubber they were already qualified for the semifinals. Just a matter of, of positioning and who they were going to get in the semifinal round. So the loss meant they got Honduras. Um, they played yesterday, Sunday, and they lost to Honduras two to one. And, and it wasn't even a fluky loss. Like, I mean, the, the, the first goal was um, really great work by Honduras to recycle uh, uh, a set piece or a, a corner um, that had been, you know, semi-cleared by the U.S. And just a great, great uh, spatial awareness, great awareness and great runs by the uh, Honduran players and put the goal in, in like the, literally like the 48th minute, uh, like the, the third minute of four minutes of first half stoppage time. Uh, and then the second goal was, um, that was an absolute howler by David Ochoa. Um, he gets a pass back and, and not a great pass back, but instead of, spraying the ball to the left. He decides to kick it right into a Honduran uh, attacker who um, shades of the 2018 CONCACAF or sorry, not CONCACAF <clears throat> uh, UEFA champions league final. He lures carries it, carries it uh, to right to Sergio Ramos. Uh, and the guy puts the ball in the back of the net, just off a of deflection. So minutes, so United States was down to nothing within um, in like four or five minutes into the second half. After that point, they did play 
a bit better. Uh, Jackson Ewell had an absolute stonker of a goal. Um, just said, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not passing to any of you dumbasses. I'm just going to take this one myself and just a uh, fucking rocket into the uh, top corner of the net, make it uh, two to one to uh, Honduras. And again, the U S had a, a bunch of chances, a couple of, of that, but in, that was the first shot on goal that the U S had in that game was, I believe it was like the 54th or 55th minute um, was Jackson Ewell's uh, goal was the first shot on goal that they had of the game. They had a flurry of chances in the second half, especially late in the second half. Um, like hard done by it to not get an equalizer. They had a, a couple of just absolute sitters that they um, either hit right at people or just missed the net. But ultimately, like this game, Honduras wanted this game more and they were the much more deserved winners of this game. So Honduras is going to the Olympics for the fourth straight uh, Olympics, um, which is kind of insane. Um, that Honduras just keeps the Los Catarachos just keep making it to the Olympics uh, every year. Uh, Mexico beat Canada in the other uh, semifinal game. Uh, so these two teams will play each other on uh, Wednesday or Wednesday or tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. I can't even remember for the, uh, for the final, for the, for the championship of the U23. CONCACAF doesn't matter. They're both going to the Olympics. Mexico is going for their third Olympics. They won a gold medal, not the most recent game. No, not the most recent games, but the, the 2012 games, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so, yeah. So, uh, MJ, I know you have some thoughts on on the U23s. Why don't you uh, fire away? I'm going to pair my my four Jason Christ quotes in post game since I love to hate on his post game, down to just a couple paraphrases. But after talking about the schedule not being – you know, just due to COVID and also when leagues start and having the U.S. players that play in MLS, they're a little raw compared to the Latin American leagues. They're starting later. And so this this time around for World Cup qualifying, when it was supposed to be happening last year, kind of in the middle of MLS season, it all get pushed. It gets pushed to now. And so he used the That's, kind of it wasn't it, it was it was it would have been. Yes, it would have been. They would have played a couple of games, but it would have been super early as well. It's not like early in the MLS season, but yeah, they would have right. played a couple of games. So he would playing like right now, which is when MLS would have been in their what second week, third week, maybe. So so yeah, because of COVID, they haven't played any any games against real competition yet in in their leagues, and so he uses that. He used the like couldn't get certain players for for this tournament, and that's not on him. And then. After Which, that is not on him necessarily, but yeah, no, no. I mean, the the U.S. Soccer Federation chose like here we're gonna here's who we're gonna put on the senior team, and here's who we're gonna put on the U U23 with the qualifying team, and yes, several of our best players on the senior team are 23 ages or younger. M- MJ, and- the, the the players the U the 20 the players who are under 23 on the senior team were not eligible because they were not released by their clubs for this tournament. Like I they could not have played that. in this tournament. So it's, 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 I mean, that, that argument is getting, I, listen, I fucking hate Jason Christ. I think he did a terrible fucking job and I'll let you finish your, but like. If, you didn't let me finish. But you're saying players that were in, in Europe could have played. I'm no, they could not Christ have played. Christ was lamenting that fact. Okay. I guess I. I'm not putting this on Christ or the soccer federation. I'm saying that Christ is using excuses. That's my main point. And so he's talking about how he couldn't get the, all the players he wanted 
that the players weren't, you know, hadn't played enough league matches. And then someone asked a very leading question about his personal responsibility. And he said, I think, you know, if anyone who knows me knows that I take the, you know, the, the brunt of the blame and I take full responsibility for what happened out there. And then he, he, that you should just end the sentence there if you go to media camp. But no, then he has to backtrack and circle back around to the excuses that he used before about why it's not his fault. And it's just so painful. Um, anyway, that's that's my Jason Christ, Jason fucking Christ rant. That's fair. One of my big disappointments with this game, uh, the Mexico game was just a little bit weird. Uh, the U.S. didn't play particularly well. Mexico didn't look quite like themselves either. So probably the less said about that game, the better. Really nice finish by Antuna. Um, full credit where it's due on that. The U.S. looked terrible against Honduras. They looked like they had no game plan. It looked like on an individual level, players didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. Dotson didn't look healthy after having played really well, really well in the previous three games. He looked... We He picked up a knock in the Mexico game. He did, yeah. Uh, which, sprained ankle. Which so is like, I, why the fuck? I mean, I don't. my question was like, why the fuck was Dotson playing more than 60 minutes in that in that Mexico game? Like, he played 75 minutes in that game. So, anyways, sorry, Dan. No, you're you're fine. Like, and and I was surprised by that as well. I really thought the U.S. was going to run out the U.17s, basically. <laughs> Everyone who hadn't really gotten minutes against Mexico, because why not? Um, so that's what I put on Christ. Just a lack of a game plan, a lack of, um, a lack of just awareness about like what needed to be done. And I don't know, I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know what caused this, but like the U S looked horrible. It was the worst game of the tournament by far. And yet, even with that, they very reasonably could have won that game. Ochoa makes a terrible mistake. One he will see in his nightmares for the next 20 years. And yet at the other end, the U.S. gets CONCACAFed out of a penalty that they should have had that would have tied the game. And at that point, the U.S. had the momentum. Um, it just sucks. And, like, I don't I don't want to make this sound as though Honduras didn't deserve to win because they absolutely did. But in previous U23 tournaments, it looked like the U.S. didn't know what they were doing, that they, they still weren't ready to be a serious soccer nation. And this time around, it, that wasn't the case. And yet the, the outcome is the same because of these really narrow things. And it's just, it's really disappointing and really upsetting. And I think the thing that kind of drove me the craziest was the U.S.'s defense looked good in this tournament. Justin Glad is the real deal. Good goalies, no surprise there. That's been true for about 40 years at this point, in all seriousness. Uh, the attack looked miserable, like completely. And I love Jordi Mihailovic. Jordi Mihailovic is one of my favorite young MLS players. And Jason Christ had no idea how to use him. Completely, right. completely <laughs> misused him. And and David, I take your point that this is about what players were available in teams and all that kind of thing. Uh, but it was extra maddening to watch a friendly against Northern Ireland and see Pulisic and Daryl DK and... Uh, Josh Sargent, and just to know all of those guys could have been up there instead of Jesus Ferreira, who I think Jesus Ferreira came in with a pretty high stock. I don't know that there was another player whose stock dropped more than his did in this tournament. 
Well, if they play this tournament last year, like they were supposed to before, you know, pre-COVID, um, Brendan Aronson is on this team. Yep. Um, Reggie Cannon is on this team. Paxton Pomichol is on this team. These no, guys Pomichol's have, hurt. I mean, last year would have been on this team. Right, but uh, Paxton Pomichol tore his ACL in like the second game. Oh, but yeah, he, I guess, yeah, he would have been, been on the roster. Obviously, would have not been able to play. But like, the point is, if you want to talk about players, which I think is actually, you know, it's a very valid point. And um, MJ, I'm sorry for like kind of, curb stomping you on that i should have let you finished um yeah there's the i think what i take away from this is is that we played we played like crap every single game of this tournament we made big defensive blunders like i think you're right dan i, I think our defense played amazingly well all things considered we had big we had a big defensive blunder in every single game of this tournament costa rica they did not capitalize on it david ochoa stood on his fucking head and kept us in that game and gave us and allowed us to be in the, this position where we we're in the semifinals. Um, Dominican Republic, there's a big uh, early um, like defensive mistake. One of those big things like we talked about when Martin and I were on the podcast, things that Minnesota United were doing in you know 2017, 2018, where they make one gigantic mistake in, in defense, a, a errant pass, a bad back pass, and the other team would capitalize and score, right? Um, the Dominican Republic did not capitalize on it, and then the U.S. went on to to stomp them for nothing. Mexico, one big mistake, they scored on it. Honduras, one big mistake, um, and they they scored on it. Like that second goal for for uh, uh, the Ochoa Howler, which again, yeah, he's gonna. I mean, I'd much rather have him make that mistake in this tournament than you know in the World Cup in 2026, right? Like, I don't know if he's ever gonna make that same mistake again, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and, and it, it is on him. Obviously, he's the one who kicked it into an attacking player. It's on him. But, like, Crisis Point, which is actually pretty accurate, is, hey, it sucks. None of these guys have been playing games, and they definitely don't play together. And this is, like, kind of ad hoc. And so don't play out of the back. Yeah. Don't do that. Like, I I, I assume both of you guys follow the uh, when playing it out of the back goes wrong Twitter account, which is just... It's like this, it, it, it updates like literally every day with goalie passing right to an attacking player, a center back getting nervous in the face of high, a high press and dropping the ball and, and it's just goals on goals on goals. And look, when Arsenal does it and they do it with some frequency, you kind of shrug and go, I wish they didn't play out of the back, but I get it. I know why they do it. The U.S. didn't benefit from it. They only ever put themselves into trouble. So that is something I definitely do lay at Crisis' feet because he should have he should have looked at the mistake in the Mexican game and gone, Mm-mm, "We can't do that again," and we're not we're not in sync enough. So boot think, it long and figure it out. I think the idea is that they want to have a a system across all divisions, right? They want players. This is the Berhalter wants to play four three three. He wants to play out of the back. So when he's calling up players from the U twenty three team, he wants them to be comfortable in that system, right? And I I understand the logic behind that, and I generally agree with that. However, to Dan, to your point exactly, you saw the mistake. They they all three of those all four of the mistakes that they made have been basically like trying to play out of the back and they and fucking it up. Um, maybe in the game that you absolutely need to win just say, just fucking don't do it. Right. And then just like, um, I know it's like kind of blessed us, but you have all these, you have like pound for pound, um, person for person. U.S. is probably a more talented team. They're obviously certainly a much more professional team um, in terms of like where most of the players are playing in their, in their career. Then Honduras, not, this is not taking anything away from, from the Honduran uh, players as well. Um, 
but they can they can adjust their tactics for a game if they absolutely need to. So MJ, that first Obregon goal, I have to say I agree with you that the back line and Ochoa played well for the majority of this tournament, and this shouldn't be all on them. But I will say that Henry Kessler and Justin Glad were completely lost on that Obregon goal. They were ball watching. Well, Kessler was like, absolutely, what's going on here? And spinning around, not knowing where the ball was. Justin Glad had a great tournament for the most part, playing out of the back or otherwise. Um, but he was ball watching, not marking anybody, um, specifically not marking Obregon. And so those like that's on them. And then that, that was an absolutely amazingly hit uh, ball back into the box, MJ. I mean, when you are, we yeah, are talking about, you are talking about facing the, facing the attacker, not facing the ball. That, I mean, he has to be, his field vision has to be where the back door is. Yeah. What's open back there. And it wasn't now. And, and this is my point. This comes down to coaching. This isn't on the players per se. This is how you coach a defense and the habits that you you coach them in practice. And the other thing I would say is Kessman's cross to Jonathan Lewis, who tries to outsole it with his right instead of one touching it with, with his left. These are things that you should drill, right? One touch passes backside into the net, you know, using the correct foot for the best angle, your best chance to score. These are things that you drill in practice. So I don't know. The, the, to me, again, I don't blame the players. I think the players play their heart out, but the coaching leaves a lot to be desired. Well, I think that is like, that is goes without saying. <laughs> Everybody in this podcast, I think, is that goes without saying. Uh, so I guess final thing we'll wrap up here on this. So that so there's been a bunch of there's been a bunch of debate. There's obviously a lot of um, people losing their shit uh, on Twitter and apparently on Reddit. From what I heard, I don't go on into that cesspool. <laughs> uh, of, of this being just a, an epic tragic failure um this is you know the worst thing that could have happened to this program da, 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 da. 2012 2016 all over again and then there's been there's then there's people who are pushing back like well listen like yes you you go into a tournament you expect to win um you, you don't just show up to a tournament not expecting to win right you expect to qualify for the olympics um but you know to the point that that MJ, you and, and Dan have, have brought up that, listen, we had a, we, you know, if we had our full tw- complement of 23 uh, of under 23 players, how many players from this team are actually on that roster? And it's probably two, maybe three. I was like, going to say six, but it, okay, sure. Well, I mean, it's Ochoa, probably Yule. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. Like maybe Glad, Justin Sorry. Glad, probably is is probably so. Yeah, so maybe you maybe you can get maybe you can talk yourself into five or six players. But um, you know, our U twenty three team was over playing in Europe during this tournament, so not going to Olympics. Like, yes, it sucks, but no other soccer, like good soccer country, cares as much about the Olympics as the U S does unless they're like hosting it or they're in the semifinal of it. Right. Where they're like, Oh shit, we can actually win a gold medal. This is pretty cool. We'll pay attention. Right. So is it, you know, how, so I guess it's two questions. Number one, 
how big of a deal is this to you? Like, do you, is you think this is an absolute tragedy, uh, an epic failure, yada, 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 blow, you know, in that sort of like, not saying we should blow the whole thing about kind of in that horror, blow the whole thing up vein, or is it like, eh, this is, this sucks. It would have been much more cooler if we had been there, but ultimately like, this isn't going to set the program back like 2012 and 2016 um, theoretically did in, in like in, in leading up to 2018, which is kind of the, the conversation that's been happening. So um, MJ, why don't you start? Where do you, where do you fall in that, in that spectrum? I think it's a shame that the last Olympics that the U S have qualified for is 2008. I think that's an utter. Freddie Adu played in those Olympics. What'd you say? Freddie Adu played in those Olympics. Yeah. So did Stu Holden. Um, and Stu Holden scored goals. Anyway, I, I am more concerned with the bigger picture of the U.S. Soccer Federation and the men's national team and what Burkholder and the culture and the style of play that he wants in general. So I'm more concerned about that. And with as much as I would like us to qualify for the Olympics every year, I also know that the U.S. Soccer Federation doesn't seem to put a lot of emphasis on it. So the report card for me will come out since this is a busy year. We have Gold Cup in the summer. We have Nations League. And in the fall, we have World Cup qualifying. And if we shit the bed in two out of the, the three remaining of those competitions, like don't qualify for the World Cup again, um, we lose the, the Gold Cup to Mexico in the final or like any of those scenarios, um, we don't perform well in the nation's league. I'm, I think it says a lot about the direction of the program and that's where I want the, the fire sale. Blow it all up. I think where I land on this is that it is hugely disappointing. This should be considered a failure. Uh, the U S soccer federation should be pretty embarrassed about this, but at the same time, a little perspective is necessary here. You go back to 12, um, a little bit less so, but 16 for sure. The team doesn't play well. They don't even get to the semifinal stage. They, they lose out in the group stage. Um, and it was indicative of the fact that there wasn't young talent coming through in quite the same way that there should be. Uh, and we saw it when then the U.S. turned around and didn't qualify for the World Cup. Now, we don't really get the same warning uh, because of the, the time difference or the, the year difference. If we're not going to qualify for the World Cup, there's no red flags from this tournament that we should be seeing. I don't get the sense that the talent pool is in the same place. In in 16, um, 18, sorry, when they didn't qualify. Yes. Yeah, 18. <laughs> sorry. All of a sudden, I was like, what, what tournament? What, what year are we talking about? When they didn't last qualify... You had still Donovan, you still had Dempsey, uh, less Dempsey, but you still had that old guard from from those great teams, but they were starting to age out. They clearly weren't at the height of their powers anymore. I, Michael Bradley is actually the, the pinnacle figure of this. Uh, and so not having those players coming through, that's tough. That's not a good sign. Whereas right now, and and we've beaten this point to death, so I won't belabor it. But if you actually put the U.S. best U23 team on the field, it's a damn good team. And the U.S. men's senior team doesn't have that same 
vibe of like, oh, like we're we're actually missing like a two or three year period where we don't have the talent coming through. So I I don't mind firing Christ because I don't think he did anything worth his his contract was only up only through the Olympics. He's 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 with Inter Miami, dude. He's gonna fuck that shit up, which is totally fine for for everybody. Yeah. Like so his, like, he, like he, we're firing him like I, people are calling from be fired. He, like fire fire him from what? Like from the job that he was only hired to do through the Olympics. Okay, cool. Whatever. <laughs> like we're, we're not giving you, we're not paying out like, your vacation. Jason. I guess my question is, is like, I mean, yes, we, I, we obviously we consider this a failure. I don't, I don't, I think I, I more come down on the, I, I, I know I've listened to a lot of podcasts about listen to uh, Jason Davis, uh, his, the best show they did the, a live uh, post game show. And I listened to it on a, as a podcast this morning. And actually I'm coming down more on the, like, yeah, the Olympics would have been great to qualify for, but, does it really fucking matter if we want to be considered like a legitimate, like soccer country? No one. I mean, yes. Like the Netherlands, Mexico, they should qualify for the Olympics every year. And that's great. But like, it's not something like, it's not like a point of pride for them. It's not like the pinnacle of a career or something like that. So I think I'm coming down more on, uh, maybe it's just like I'm trying to to bargain and, and rationalize like <laughs> all the energy and emotional energy I, I spent the last 10 days watching a bunch of kids who are fucking 20 and 21 and 22 years old play soccer. You know, the kids that could theoretically be my kids. Right. Um, <laughs> and so like maybe that's that's just I'm just trying to like rationalize my my disgust with it. But I'm, I'm coming down more on the like it doesn't. Yes, it would have been great. It would have been great to see Hassani Dotson uh, in the World Cup or in, in the, the Olympics, potentially. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, getting some exposure, you know, potentially maybe getting a, a move to Europe or or something of that nature. Um, however, I just don't I ultimately don't think it really, truly matters. I don't think it's going to affect the program, per se, MJ. I don't think we're going to be blowing this thing up um, at the end of the World Cup qualifying, because I think that's going to happen. Uh, I think we could, you know, if we win either the Nations League or the Gold Cup, I'd be happy. Um, so anyways, I think that's that's kind of where I land. So. All right. That was a good, good therapy session, boys. Appreciate it. <laughs> I feel a lot better. I hope you guys do. All right. We got We just have a couple more things. Um, we a segment that we got pushed last week because we had a we ran very, very long. We're running long again. But MJ is going to uh, we have a fun game that MJ is going to lead called Guess a Loon. So MJ, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what's going on? I'm going to list five, maybe six facts, and each round, you will both get a chance to guess. Um, very quickly, I'm picking a number between 0 and 19. Um, whoever's closest can go first. Four. 14. It was two. So, Dan, you, you go first, or we'll get to, get to guess first. One, he is scared of dogs. Is this a current loon or a former loon? This or is, not I will tell give us. you the hint that it is a current loon. Okay. okay. Guess a loon. Uh, he is scared of dogs. Dan? Tyler Miller. David? Uh, Jacory Hayes. Okay. Uh, two. His favorite TV shows are Friends and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Dan? Ozzy Alonza? Nope. David? Aikopara? No. Three. This player has a son, a daughter, and 10 yellow cards in MLS. Dan? 
I was going to say boxy. He's got way more than 10, though. Uh, Will Trap. <clears throat> David? A son, a daughter, and 10, car- 10 yellow cards in MLS. Um, Three, two, one. Uh, Juan Agadello. <clears throat> okay. Four. One goal and seven assists. For Minnesota United. Dan? One goal. Seven assists. Uh, I can't, like, we're so in preseason mode. I can't, like, I'm like, DJ Taylor? No, 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 that can't possibly be right. Three, two, one. Ethan Finley. Oh, that's wrong. wrong. David? Did you say Michael Boxall, Dan? No, I just, I said Michael, I was Michael Boxall. It. Wrong. Okay, let's just give it away. Prior to joining Minnesota United, this player played in Belgium. Dan? Belgium? That doesn't ring a bell to me at all. Uh, oh, Nico Hansen. No, that's, that's Denmark. Uh, Jan Gregush? Wrong. Okay. This player was born in Metz, France. Dan? Is it Metinair? Very good. Ding, 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 ding. Damn it. He I played him like three rounds ago. It was like, oh, no, it can't be him. Pl- prior to playing for Minnesota, he played in France. He played in League. Uh, I, didn't League say, I didn't say immediately prior prior to playing. Oh, all right. Bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks for playing uh, Gisaloon. Do you know why Benner is chosen for Gisaloon this week? Is it his birthday? Birthday yesterday. Okay, there you go. Turned 31 years old. On hopefully, Sunday. hopefully his team can beat uh, Niger tomorrow. So, uh, all right. So let's jump Thanks in. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That was, that was fun, MJ. Good job. Uh, all right, Ford Madison, uh, the Ford Madtown Brodown. Uh, what this is actually something that happened a couple weeks ago, and has, there was some great. There's been some great press about it. If you haven't heard, uh, there's a new SG at. Uh, in the flock called excessive mangoes it was started by a few, uh, a few guys who um uh with disabilities um and they are working and it's just they have a really cool story ford madison highlighted them uh they're a, a soccer supporter newsletter highlighted them and sort of what, how they got together why they got together the work that they're doing with the team and with the flock to like make the um make the games more accessible um both home and away for tra- traveling as well for uh, folks with disabilities in uh, who are a part of the uh, Ford Madison supporter group. So it's a really cool story. Um, there's been a couple other um, accessor groups, including a group that is kind of springing up here in Minnesota called the Accessi Loons, uh, which is being uh, co-ran by Matt Axelson, um, who, if you don't know, he, he's, uh, he's, in the, he's in the Dark Cloud uh, SG. Um, he yeah, uses crutches, uh, super awesome dude. Um, I think he's MW Axelson on Twitter. So if you are interested in helping support the work that the Accessi Loons are doing, 
you should definitely reach out to him. That's uh, M.W. Axelson, A-X-E-L-S-O-N uh, on Twitter. Um, I know that they're hopefully working with the Dark Clouds to figure out what they, what they can do and how they can how they can be of support to SGs as well as the team. So it's really, that's super, something that's super awesome. So good job to them and good job to the Excessive Mingos. That's, that's, just, that's just really cool seeing stuff like that. Uh, across the across the United States, so, and then MJ, you wanted to uh, talk about the thirst trap that is Connor Tobin. Connor Tobin put out a spoof, and Forward Madison put out a a spoof commercial about being out in the wilderness, and this is based on a car commercial that Zlatan Ibrahimovic did, where he's with a hunting rifle and he's building a fire in this campfire in the snow and all this stuff and they spoofed it really well i will definitely attach it to one of the tweets that david sends out from one of his accounts um regarding this episode so it'll come, it'll if, come from the, the david zeno account buddy if, if, if you haven't uh, watched the original zlatan commercial or the connor tobin uh spoof definitely watch those it was it was fan it was fucking fantastic it was announcing that Connor Tobin was returning uh to Ford Madison um it just it just shows how amazing that social media team is uh they're they're putting out shit like that and then Minnesota United is making monopoly boards and uh tweeting out days of the week from their social media accounts so there's the a- monopoly board was really well executed it was like, i'm not telling you you have to love the concept but the execution was damn good i also think maybe uh using monopoly um when your uh majority owner was uh going out and evicting people after the george floyd riots um last year's maybe not the uh the smartest thing to do but that's just me i don't know whatever um minneapolis city uh mj What's going on Minneapolis City? This will be a literal Minneapolis City minute for once, which will delight Dan and David and listeners alike. Saturday, March 27th, Minneapolis City teachers played a friendly with the Shattuck St. Mary's U17 squad. So since teachers versus U17, they're they're all pretty much kids, right? And uh, the Minneapolis City futures win two nothing. So good on them. Good. Um, I will say that they should be getting a, a. I went up and picked my uh, my birthday jersey of theirs. I got the black and gold one, the long sleeve. Oh my god, that thing fucking! Oof, it's it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, long sleeve. It, it just it looks really fucking good. I'm I'm very excited about it. And it was Gretchen and I both got. Gretchen and I both got the white ones, and they also look fantastic. I, I thought about the white, but I'm just I I try to avoid white jerseys when I can because I'm just I, barely I'm gonna spill ketchup on it, and then it's just gonna be a pain in the ass to get clean. So I went with the black, but uh, they were fantastic. And um, when I went to pick it up, um, they actually I was able to pick up my 2021 membership packet. They're pretty much um, almost all ready to go. I'm guessing they'll be sending out an email to folks uh, to uh, pick those up relatively soon as well. So I'm looking forward to that. They announced they have their schedule. Um, they're, they're kicking off in, in uh, May. Um, they have a bunch of games and hopefully some um, more news that we can actually talk about here relatively soon. All right. Uh, just a couple quick things in, in the world, the, new, the news of world soccer. We kind of hit it on it, but I'm just, what's, well, I'm going to save, I'll save this one for uh, much more. Maybe this is a, a Patreon podcast about how in the actual fuck Frank DeBoer keeps failing up, um, keeps getting jobs. I think we probably could uh, spend 45 minutes discussing that. Um, I don't want to talk about that right now. MJ, tell us a little bit about the uh, UW, UWCL coming up. UEFA Women's Champions League 
is coming up this week on Wednesdays and Thursdays. This last week, the first leg of the quarterfinals played. So this will be the second leg. And so on Wednesday, 31st of March, we have uh, Man City versus Barca. Barca's up 3-0. We have uh, Wolfsburg versus Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea's up 2-1. Uh, Olympic Lyonnais versus PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Olympic Lyonnais actually scored an away goal at PSG, so they have the home leg and are up 1-0 going into the home leg. And then Thursday, we have uh, from Sweden, uh, Rosengard uh, versus Bayern München, and of course Bayern München is up 3-0. Um, so my questions for you guys, considering these pairings, uh, one, does any team come back from their first leg deficit and it's so who i could see psg getting angry and uh hitting leon for two or three goals um i've again i've I, unfortunately i've not much watched i've watched a little bit of the uh the women's champions league um isn't wolfsburg pretty good generally usually yeah are they not this year for some reason they let a couple gals go okay but but I, that that was going to be my second pick. I would you guys I, hit on the on the yeah. top two contenders. Yeah, I was going to say Wolfsburg if if there's nothing else. So yeah, like both both PSG could could get angry and uh, Wolfsburg at at home could come back versus Chelsea. Uh, those are the those are two games probably to watch. And then my la- my last question is who, who's in the final? Who, who who do you guys uh, who would your picks be? Do they have the like, do they know who's on what side of the bracket for this? No, no, it's it's UEFA doing its draw thing every, okay. every round. So the, the, it's it's it hasn't been drawn. So just pick two teams. Or who would you like to see in the final? Honestly, I thought this was cities to lose, and then that's exactly what they did. So <laughs> I think Barca, I think Barca goes on and at least gets to the final. Um, I, I don't know who they play. I, I, I rate Chelsea. I think Chelsea's a really good side this year. I don't know that they can get past either PSG or Lyon. Um, so it depends a little bit on their draw. But uh, yeah, you know what? Hook me up with uh, Barcelona versus PSG looking for a little uh, revenge from the men's side. I'll take whoever wins that, uh, that French uh, derby against Bayern. Okay. And I will pick Barca versus uh, the standby uh, perennial Olympic Lyonnais, so or mm-hmm. Lyon. So uh, it, it, these are these are fun games to watch. Even with the goal deficits going into the, you will see some good tactical and technical some gals that really know how to how to handle the ball, and and it, it's going to be fun to watch. So I believe they're all on Paramount Plus. Yeah, I was going to say they're all. Uh, yeah, they're all on. If you have a paramount plus subscription which they have so much they just picked up all the argentinian soccer and they just got uh was it uh la liga Seri- no no syria syria uh for next year as well so uh, paramount plus is turning into a um potential soccer hotbed um which is important with mls's uh tv deal coming up in a couple of years uh just a couple of quick points um they did announce uh today that they're hoping that <clears throat> either one or both of the fa cup Semifinals at Wembley will be test events uh, for England heading into their reopening of or partially reopening of stadiums for the last basically week of the last, I guess, two weeks, technically of the, of the uh, season. Uh, There's also a women's club world cup is on the horizon, potentially question mark. 
awesome. which, would be really, which would be really cool. Yeah, it would be obviously Champions League is, is what is sort of the best thing that we have right now. But obviously, we don't have any of the American teams participating in that um, or teams from Mexico, which is the Liga Femina, uh, Feminine. Liga Feminine. Uh, wow, God, now I'm blanking on it. But that's, you know, they're the Liga MX, MX teams are um, really putting in um, funding for the women's league there, which is, is really raising the quality. It's great. So it'd be a really cool opportunity to see women's club teams from around the world play each other in a club world cup, you know, style tournament. So, um, you know, more money for FIFA. So obviously that is like the main driver there, but also, you know, got to have opportunities for, for women's game to, to shine and for more people to see it. Um, I think they'll, you, then you'll get more investment in it as well. So. And hopefully a wake up call to, U.S. fans and dare I say U.S. investors and and club owners in the U.S. and and Concacaf on where they sit with with the world, because I think a lot of people watch the World Cup or the Olympics and we know our national team is the best, but to be honest, when it comes to the the world of club football, I don't think the NWSL teams. Um, can compete with what's coming out of Europe right now um, from a training tactical and technical standpoint. And the, we need to up our game. We just need to up our game here in the U.S. And, the, and, it, and it sadly comes down to money. For sure. For sure. Cool. All right, guys. Well, that, uh, you know, again, a long one, but we had a lot of stuff to talk about, obviously, this week. So um, thanks, MJ and Dan, for uh, for hanging out and, and chatting soccer. And again, that that U23 therapy session that we we embarked upon. <laughs> um, please rate and review the podcast wherever you wherever you listen. Uh, visit davesiknow.com, uh, patreon.com slash davesiknow, um, at TDIKMN on Twitter. I'm at Texas Eller. Dan's at D-Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui. We've been the Daves you know. This is the Daves. I we have to try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing Thing, son. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Do the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all.